Happy holidays. (laughs) Well, I can't sing, but... Happy holidays. That's as far as I'm going. All right. Take it away, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) It is December, and the holidays are here. Welcome back, Kirkwood. We're so pleased that you could join us for this, the December episode of the KPL Podcast. And what an episode it's going to be. Yeah, it should be very exciting. We've got several programs that we're going to talk about, and we've got an interview... Yes, most excitingly, Mr. Mike Holly from the Kirkwood Historical Society is dropping by and going to give us a snapshot on what Kirkwood was like back in the 40s. I think that would be very fascinating, yeah, especially how... because of the of World War II. Exactly, how our fair city was handling World War II at the time. It must have been an interesting time period. I could only but imagine. So, Because the U.S. was late going into the war, but once we got in, we were, we were all in. hands on deck. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, aside from that, um, we're also going to talk a little bit about music in the library programs. We've got two this month. Exciting. And we will be highlighting services, and Jagish and I will be talking about our holiday favorites, books and films for the seasons, what we're going to have in our queue this year. So stick around. It's just going to get great from here. Happy holidays, Kirkwood. (laughs) Happy holidays. So today we're joined by Mike Holly of the Kirkwood Historical Society. Uh, He's come to talk to us today about giving us an idea what a snapshot of life was back in Kirkwood, back in the 40s, and how it compares today. Kind of look at what life was like back then for our citizens and uh, what with uh, World War II looming. So Mike, we're so happy you can join us. Well, thank you. Thank you, Ryan. And I'll talk a little bit about the methodology I use very briefly. I looked at two weekly newspapers that were published in Kirkwood at the time, uh, the Kirkwood Monitor and the Kirkwood Messenger. Both of them, uh, the subscriptions were a dollar per year. As I said, they came out on a weekly basis, and a lot of people might know more about the Messenger, the Kirkwood Messenger, because that was operated by the Jones family, which is still, honestly, a, a prominent family here in Kirkwood. In fact, the current president of the Historical Society is married to one of the Jones descendants. Doug Coombs is married, Cindy Coombs, who is, again, a, a descendant of the messenger printing empire, I think you might say. So, <laughs> so it is, it is. And so um, what I did was I really just looked at the microfilm papers and tried to glean what I thought might be some interesting similarities and differences. And honestly, I chose this time because we are nearing an anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And I wanted to get a glimpse of what it felt like it'd be in Kirkwood in, in that in that winter of 1941, and some things struck me, uh, some similarities between today. For instance, the Turkey Day game between Kirkwood and Webster was uh, was a big deal then. Unfortunately, the Statesman won that year in front of oh, 6,000 yeah. people, which, when you think about how small Kirkwood was at the time, that's a, that's a pretty large crowd. Uh, some other things that were interesting to me that seemed somewhat familiar. There was a crabby letter to the editor by someone who was upset about the state of transit, of mass transit in Kirkwood. There was a, as many people probably know, a streetcar ran through Kirkwood, and this person was unhappy because he felt like, A, it was very noisy. It was also empty, and he felt like my tax dollars are are being misused by this <laughs> by this white elephant rumbling through town so anyway there's i guess some things do change and some things don't change yeah i was gonna say i, I myself complain quite a bit about traffic <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no matter what city i'm in <laughs> right i think that's that's what we do right we're <laughs> it's happy universal right uh another thing i thought was sort of interesting i can remember my father talking about in the 30s halloween was a bigger 
deal in terms of honestly vandalism. And there was a pretty substantial editorial in the paper that said it's very important with the upcoming Halloween to keep the kids busy. We're afraid, and they didn't use the word hooligans, but they were afraid, I think, of, of, of some of the pranks that might be uh, used. And in fact, there was a headline shortly after Halloween that some high school, Kirkwood High School boys threw a stench bomb in someone's basement. <laughs> Actually, no, they call that a Rathskeller, which is a great archaic word, but someone threw a stench bomb in someone's uh, basement at a Halloween party and disrupted that. So, so those were some things that stay the same. Parents fretting about the youth of today, people upset about traffic, and, you know, the all-important Turkey Day game uh, between, between Kirkwood and Webster. But a couple things seemed very quirky and unusual to me. One of the common threads in the papers were um, social notices, social notices that would say so-and-so is has out-of-town company, so-and-so. But what struck me was so-and-so who lives at 904, I'm making this address up, but 904 Kern Avenue is going to be traveling to California for a couple of weeks on a motorhome visit. And I thought, what a bonanza for the thieves in town, right? right? <laughs> you know? To do that today would be insane. No. But you know, people do that on Facebook. They make these announcements, or on social media, I shouldn't just single out Facebook, but um, people make some of those announcements that they tell people they're going on vacation or they're, you know, traveling or they ha or they just put up pictures of their trip. Right. You're and not wrong. Yeah. So, you know, in a way it's different. In a way it's, it's almost the same. And I guess I'm a little more social. I'm not too involved in social media anymore I, because of that. There was too much information shared by, I thought, too many people. So, but um, another thing that struck me, and I don't think this is a surprise, but it is very noteworthy when you see it in writing, is in the help wanteds, the help wanteds were many times categorized by race. For instance, there'd be a sign that says, help wanted girl or woman, white woman. Or there was another ad that said, um, work wanted by colored man, handyman around town. And those things I think we all understand that that was then, and this is a different time, but it is a little jarring to, to see that uh, at times. So did you see any uh, foreshadowings or inklings of, the, uh, world, of World War II coming up? You know, it sort of surprised me that there weren't more. The war had been going on, of course, for two years in Europe, and it, I think people knew that somewhere or another, America was going to be more involved than they were at the time. But... There was a real poignancy, I think, in reading these articles because I knew what was going to happen. I knew Pearl Harbor was imminent, and they were going about their lives without that knowledge. And there's just sort of a, it's like when you watch a movie and you know what's going to happen, and you and want you to had the spoiler, <laughs> right? Don't go in that room. But there were a few articles that hinted that country was on and moving towards a more of a wartime footing. There were extensive ads for the Navy at the time. In fact, I think I. I shared with Ryan one of the ads that offered one of the perks of joining the Navy is you can engage in manly sports. Yes. In the manly sports. <laughs> and so why wouldn't you want to join the Navy if you could indeed engage in manly sports? Something that struck me, especially as a guy who graduated from Tillman Elementary School a long time ago, was that there was an article in the paper before the war that spoke to the fact that 193 additional students were enrolled in Kirkwood schools because they were the children of the defense workers. Uh, and so, therefore, the school board was looking for federal funds to help the establishment of the new school. It turned out that Tillman wasn't open until after the war, but it was interesting to me that 51 children 
in the Kirkwood School District had parents who worked at the Weldon Springs TNT plant, which mm -hmm. to me seems like that's a long way to commute, but this was probably the farthest settled western suburb at the time before you, you know, jumped on whatever I, you know, US 40 was at the time. 60 children were the uh, offspring of workers at the small arms plant. And so Kirkwood had to deal with, the, again, the, 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 the change in employment and the, and the influx of, of new residents. Well, did you get the sense from the articles, based on what I've understood, that America or Americans weren't really interested in getting involved with the war? They kind of saw it as Europe's war prior to Pearl Harbor. Did you get that sense in the articles? To be clear, this was mostly focusing on local news in Kirkwood. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned something that I hadn't uh, thought I might talk about, but there was a controversy about renaming Kirkwood Road. Um, because a long time ago, well before Charles Lindbergh, you know, did his journey to uh, Paris in 1927, it was called Denny Road. Mm -hmm. And then after Lindbergh's journey for much of the span of that road, it was renamed Lindbergh Boulevard. But a bit to your point, at the outset of the war, people were upset about the fact that Lindbergh's America First, Fortress America policy was seen as a bit unpatriotic by folks who believed that the name of the street should revert back to Denny Road. Now, that's a long way of saying that there really wasn't a whole lot of national politics or international politics or diplomacy discussed, honestly, in these pages, other than the, the brief things I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So regardless, to learn something now, that's pretty interesting. I thought it was interesting yeah. the whole Denny Road, right? Mm -hmm. the, the kind of, there was something, though. I think people know and have seen throughout history that wartime causes somewhat of a, a loosening or a change in morality. Certainly, people's behaviors change due to the disruption of, of wartime. And there was a person named Dr. Walter Meyer who gave a speech, again, this is prior to Pearl Harbor, at Fort Leonard Wood. He was a, a pastor or someone affiliated with Concordia Lutheran Seminary, and he was really foreseeing the disruption of conventional morality. And he gave a speech to the troops and warned against the perils of social diseases that he feared might become more rampant during wartime. And he called, and I quote here, atheism, communism, academic centralism, immoral books, sex-mad magazines, and moronic motion pictures all were their leading influences tainting Christian morality at that time, even before the war began. So there were there were people who saw trouble on the horizon, and not just wartime, but the fear of the disruption to conventional morality at the mm -hmm. time. So, and then war came to Kirkwood. Mm -hmm. the, it was interesting to me to, even before I scrolled through the microfilm, to imagine what the first issue of the paper was going to be, or the first issues of the papers were going to be after the war. And I got to be honest, I was a little bit surprised that there wasn't more of a, a blaring headline, more of a, more of a, you know, 20 point whatever. Right. Font. Pearl yeah. Harbor right. attacks. Right, yeah, right, Something to that effect. Certainly on the front page, there was uh, the Pledge of Allegiance, which had, which had not been on the front page before. There was also a prayer for our president that was written by a prominent Presbyterian pastor, not a local pastor, but a pastor of the time. But there was also, right next to that, equally above the fold on the paper, there was an article about how Girl Scouts were going to um, decorate the windows of Kirkwood for the upcoming Christmas holidays. So it wasn't all, we're at war, let's panic. 
but life was kept on going. Life, life kept on do. going to some extent, yes. And there was also right away a list of names of boys, and they were boys and men. I don't remember any female service members at the time, but where are they? These are the names of the Kirkwood people, the Kirkwood area people who are believed to be in harm's way. And it struck me how there was some uncertainty about who was where. I think today we're on cell phones with people. Unless they're in special forces, we know where they are right, right away. Right, with the Internet, yeah, you can track. But back then, I mean, the, the time delay for just for information getting out mm-hmm. must have been maddening. Right, right. It didn't take long, however, for Kirkwoodians to pitch in the war effort. And they did so in several ways. One of the things that I thought was somewhat interesting, I was born actually on a house on Woodside Avenue, and I currently live on Bodley. And both of those streets were called out as setting up holiday decorations with a V for victory theme. So I thought that was that was sort of interesting. I think more importantly, both the city of Kirkwood and the city of Glendale set up defense committees. And there was a list of names and uh, But it closed with, I think, this very apt sentence at the end of the article. It said, just what the committees are to do will be discussed at meetings to be held at various times in the future. So, (laughs) right, there's this sense of we want to do something. We don't quite know what to do, but we we want to feel needed. There was a group of local women who had a Tuesday afternoon educational time together and they decided that for the duration of the war they were no longer going to engage in educational talks but again turn themselves over to a place for the YMCA to wrap bandages and and to help out the service members as as best they could volunteer Uh, their time exactly community exactly there was one thing that I thought was a bit of a panicked response in that guards extra guards were set up at the Kirkwood water plant shortly after the war. And from what I've read about German and Japanese strategy, I don't think they targeted suburban municipal waterworks. But again, you kind of understand, you really can't understand the panic. What do we do next? No one foresaw Pearl Harbor. And it's it's a natural reaction that we may shrug our shoulders and say, huh. But to them, it's, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. What's happening to them right at that moment. And, right. Uh, yeah, that would be pretty frightening. It would be, you know, looking back on it from, you know, this lofty perch of 2019, it would seem incredibly astronomical that, that uh, the Nazis would have been able to, or even if they would be able, that Kirkwood on any front would be a target of St. Louis. Um, but, you know, at that moment. Who's to say? Who's to say, right? right? Yeah. Other things that Kirkwoodians did right away, which I thought were interesting, is they had a repository for razor blades that was set up in front of the train station because the steel used in razor blades was seen as a better quality. And mm-hmm. so people would deposit their razor blades there and they would be turned into the to the war effort. There was a grocery store down at the corner of Big Bend and Kirkwood Road called Ray Amph. A-N-T-H-S, Anth, Ray Anth's, it's, it's called a certified store, whatever that means. But <laughs> after the war was declared, Ray Anth's certified store pledged to, quote, sell the kind of foods that build sturdy Americans. So they were going to do their part to make sure that we were healthy and strong enough to defeat the Axis powers. On a much sadder note, it did not take long before war to hit hard in Kirkwood. One of the 
service members lost at Pearl Harbor was Everett Belt, whose parents lived on Geyer. I think he wasn't a resident of Kirkwood at the time. For example, he's not on the monument over by City Hall, but I did some research in the archives, and he certainly lived in the area, and he died at, at Pearl Harbor. So, I, again, you imagine the, what a blow this was to his parents, who not only didn't think their son was in harm's way in Pearl Harbor at the time, but then to get the news within days after the war was declared that they lost their son. That's terrible. And plus, you know, it's the holidays. It's December. Right, right. But I think biggest takeaway that the war substantially affected Kirkwoodians, especially in early 1941, was the looming tire shortage. When you think about it, the rubber for tires came from Southeast Asia, and Southeast Asia was now controlled by the Japanese Empire, and Americans knew right away, within a month, that tires were going to be a problem in the uh, in the in in the for the for recreational driving. Um, in fact, there was a article in the paper, a lengthy article that said, and I'll quote here, tires for pleasure cars will be practically unavailable and also say that no true American at this time will expect the government to deprive the military forces of their urgent needs. Doctors, nurses, veterinarians, surgeons will be the exceptions here. So there really was no way around, at least they saw at the outset, for Kirkwoodians to realize that pleasure driving, the old Sunday driving, heading out to the countryside, would be a thing of the past. And there were numerous articles about that and not so much how we're going to get around it, but exhortations on the part of the public officials to encourage people to buck up and do their part for their patriotic duty. So I guess this might be the time to conclude with deep insights and profound conclusions, but I can't do that. I guess the most significant takeaway for me was how matter-of-factly Kirkwoodians faced the outbreak of World War II, at least as far as I could discern from the weekly papers. This has all been really interesting to hear, just all the, the different, the amount of research that you've been able to put together. And so could you tell us maybe a little bit more about what you have in the collection? Yeah, I would love to. And in, in fact, I think one of the most overlooked treasures that we have in this community is the library that we have at the Kirkwood Historical Society. There are books, there are magazines, there are pamphlets, there are librarians who really know the history and where to find things there. We are only open uh, Thursdays and Sundays from 1 to 4, but with a phone call, I'm sure that people who are undertaking specific or special research could get after-hours access, and we have great microfilms. What we don't have is a great microfilm reader in there. I took uh, the microfilms out to the county library where I could read them, and there is a treasure of information. I did a similar type of thing for World War I and looked at Kirkwood right before the outbreak of the U.S. entry into World War I, and what did strike me there, there was more panic. With World War One, surprisingly to me, I guess, than, than World War Two, There seemed to be more of a sense of quick racism, I guess, towards the Germans at World War One. You don't get any sense necessarily this early in the Kirkwood Papers that there was a, a blanket hatred of all the Japanese at this, at least by now. But anyway, to your question, the resources at the Kirkwood Historical Society, I think, are an overlooked treasure for the community. Yeah, I often get patrons asking about certain historical aspects of Kirkwood, and I often direct them towards the Historical Society. 
you know, because a lot of times we can't, I don't know, we don't have it here in our collection at the library. And I say, you know, have you tried the Historical Society? And they don't. Yeah. They haven't tried it yet, so I have directed lots of people over to you. Well, thank you, and keep sending them <laughs> our way. Uh, yeah, and not only that, uh, the the Kirkwood Historical Society is located at the uh, Muds Grove House, and it's been a little while. It's been about a year since I took the tour out there, but I highly recommend it to all of our patrons. I found it a very fascinating and beautiful house. It is, uh, it is a treasure here in the heart of Kirkwood, and um, I couldn't recommend it more. Uh, they are uh, located at 302 West uh, Argonne Drive, which is right here in Kirkwood. Thank you, folks. Yeah, well, well thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming. All right, well, before you go, Mike, is there anything that the Kirkwood Historical Society is doing uh, that's coming up that, that our patrons should be aware of? Well, I'm glad you asked, Ryan, because on Saturday, December 7th, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., the house will be opened up and decorated in all its Christmas splendor. So it's part of a holiday house tour where... I think people can visit other historic houses in the St. Louis area. But in any case, the Kirkwood Historical Society's Mud Grove will be open, decorated for Christmas. Admission is $5. The great Mike Holdinghouse will be entertaining folks with his classical guitar renditions of Christmas and seasonal music. So it really is. It's a nice It's a nice way to spend a, a December morning and afternoon. So thanks for asking. For that. My pleasure. That sounds fantastic. Uh, well, you can reach the Kirkwood Historical Society at 314-965-5151. Uh, this has been such an interesting conversation. Mike, thanks so much for visiting with us today. Thank you for having me. Well, let's talk about programming, specifically our holiday December programming. Uh, but before we begin in that, we want to remind everybody that our uh, that winter reading is still going right along. That's right. Uh, winter reading started November 23rd. There is still plenty of time for you to sign up and start winning some of the prizes. Winter reading ends February 16th. So to sign up, you just go online to kirkwoodpubliclibrary.org and get yourself registered and start putting in those books that you've been reading. And patrons, if you're partaking in the winter reading challenges for the lovely prizes, then you should know that one of the challenges is the uh, KPL podcast challenge. And for that, you're going to need a special code word. The code word is DISCOVER. Now, that's not case-sensitive. DISCOVER. Yep, you just have to enter the word DISCOVER. D-I-S-C-O-V-E-R. And thanks for listening. All right, so, Ryan, tell us about the exciting trivia night we've got coming up in a couple of days. I am super excited for this one. This is, uh, I'm sure longtime listeners will know how much I love Star Wars. So we have a Star Wars trivia night. Now, at the time of this recording, uh, there are still tables available, but you only have a couple of days to sign up. The Star Wars trivia night is going to be on December the 3rd at 7 p.m., and the trivia is going to cover the three main canonical eras of Star Wars. So you have, I, I don't need to tell Jagisha, you have uh, the Age of the Republic, the Age of Rebellion, and the Age of Resistance, uh, which will also cover uh, animated series, and we will even have bonus questions for Star Wars Legends. So it's going to be excited. Uh, so make sure you study up on your Star Wars lore, because there'll be questions from every era. You know, I am not scheduled to work that day, but I kind of just want to come and see what happens <laughs> well you can get a table of uh table of six so grab your five most knowledgeable padwans and sign up <laughs> there's still a couple tables left uh, i'll yeah i'll have to find some people who know star wars maybe i'll 
grab some patrons from the, <laughs> and be like, do you know Star Wars? Come on, let's go do this. <laughs> anyway. I'm good with that. The next thing coming up on December 4th, Wednesday at 7 p.m., is our craft award. And this one's going to be a special one because it is our holiday crafts, and so we have multiple projects that we'll be working on that night. Oh, that sounds exciting. Right. So, uh, next up, uh, on Sunday, December the 8th, from 2 to 3 p.m., we have music in the library with the Confluence Chamber Orchestra. It's going to be a fun-filled holiday program, so come on in. Let's hear some good music. Put us in the spirits for the holidays. I always love when we have music in the library. The acoustics in that main lobby are so wonderful. The music sounds amazing. Yeah, and we get such interesting and fun presenters who... Just, I am sufficiently envious of their musical talent because I have none. And yeah, they, me too. Oh, I wish. And they make it look so easy. They do. And then we have coming up on Tuesday, December 17th at 7 p.m. is our Good Yarn Stitching Club. And as usual, just bring your current stitching project, your crochet, your embroidery, knitting, and hang out with your fellow crafters. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, if you didn't get enough of uh, some fantastic music, well, you're in luck because on Sunday, December 22nd at 2 p.m., we have another special holiday, uh, Music in the Library, uh, with Bella Corda, uh, which Bella Corda is an award-winning youth guitar ensemble from the St. Louis Academy for Guitar here in Kirkwood. Um, so it's going to be um, just some lovely guitar music. That'll be really nice. Yes, I think it, um, this is by far and away not the first time they visited us. I believe they're here pretty much annually, and every time it is just gorgeous, just gorgeous music. So we highly recommend it. Okay, so Ryan, tell us about a service that the library has. And this one's actually a little unusual. Yes, this is not so much a service, but thinking of the time that we're, this is coming out, something that the library does offer or that you can do. So it's uh, it's December. You've got so many people to buy gifts for in some fashion or another. Well, consider Books and Beyond. Books and Beyond is the gift shop that's right here in the Kirkwood Public Library. Uh, it is managed and staffed entirely by volunteers. Uh, it is on the main level, which is right outside the entrance uh, and across from across from the reference desk. Uh, all proceeds from our little gift shop benefit the Kirkwood Public Library, and they have such great things like, uh, well, books, uh, little crafts, greeting cards, and all kinds of different gifts. Um, so pretty much... Everything that you would need to make a good gift, well, I, for one, love getting books. Absolutely. I love getting books. Um, I think they even have jewelry and hats and gloves. And... Are they, yeah, they have clothing. They have all kinds of everything. And it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful little shop. If you haven't got here, well, now's the time. You can find, uh, if nothing else, stocking stuffers. And all proceeds go to the library. So you're helping out the Kirkwood Public Library when you make a purchase. Yep, making this place even better each day. So what are the hours of operation? That is a very good question. I'm so glad you asked. Uh, well, so uh, the gift shop is open on Sunday from 2 to 4, Monday through Thursday from, from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., and on Friday and Saturday, the uh, Books and Beyond is open from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. So pretty much most of the time the library is open with a few exceptions, um, but it is definitely worth the visit when you visit. 
well, if you need some gifts, just come on down. Ryan, we tell us about our wonderful book clubs? I'd be delighted. As everyone knows, we have six different book clubs for KPL Has You Covered. We have the Mystery Readers Book Club, and as you guessed it, they read wonderful mysteries. The Book Club at the End of the Universe, that's our science fiction fantasy book club, Books on Tap. Uh, now, this is not held within the library's premises. This is held at 612 Kitchen and Cocktails, which can be found at 612 West Woodmine here in Kirkwood. And they are a book club that uh, enjoys fabulous food and while they talk about their books. Uh, the Saturday Morning Perks Club. Uh, we also have the Community for Understanding and Hope Book Group and the Reader's Circle Book Discussion. Now, Times and books that are currently being read can all be found online at kirkwoodpubliclibrary.org slash calendar. So check it out. We'd love to have you join us. Absolutely. Well, everyone, that has been our programs and book clubs for the month of December. Stay tuned for our holiday recommendations and reviews. So, as always, we've come to the one of my favorite parts of our podcast, uh, the recommendations, uh, what we think is great and that, that you should be either reading, watching, listening to. And for December, obviously, Jagish and I are going to be talking about our favorite holiday titles. So, Yes, I love this part of the podcast as well, and I just like talking about books and movies. I mean, I'm a nerd. I can do that. Anytime with nearly any subject. Yes. There's just so many good things out there. Exactly. So, Ryan, tell us, what are you going to recommend? Well, uh, let's start with one of my favorite holiday films. Um, I think probably all the listening audience here is familiar with the movie Scrooged. Starring, well, Bill Murray, but so many other fantastic comedians and actors and actresses. Uh, it's basically, for those who are unfamiliar with it, it is a spin on Charles Dickens' Christmas classic, The Christmas Carol, where uh, Bill Murray plays David Cross, I want to say. His last name is Cross. I'm pretty sure his first name is David. The Scrooge character. In this version, the Scrooge character is basically running a uh, television company. They're putting on this this big Christmas uh, retelling of A Christmas Carol. Uh, because he is so miserable, he gets pulled into you know being haunted by the three three spirits to make him learn the holidays are, are wonderful and humanity is a good thing. It's one that I watch pretty much every year at, at this time. Yeah, I actually love watching all the versions of A Christmas Carol that are probably out there. I think I'm sure I've seen every single one in some some form or another, including the animated versions. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that uh, Christmas Carol in all of its different iterations is one of my favorite things. Uh, my mother... That's, that was her jam for the holiday. So every year we would end up, at least daily, she'd have on a different version of the Christmas Carol. And there are some that are amazing. There are some that are terrible. But each one, you know, I have like a, a degree of a fondness for. Mm -hmm. Well, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to recommend then, just to kind of stay in line with the, the theme here, is The Man Who Invented Christmas. Mm -hmm. It came out a couple years ago, and it is about Charles Dickens and how he came to write. A Christmas Carol. Oh, really? He was broke, actually, because he had three flops prior to writing A Christmas Carol mm -hmm. and was desperate to come up with a story that would do really well. He also had a lot of children. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as you do at the time period. <laughs> yes. So, 
to support his family, he needed to come up with a great story. And so it's a it's a funny way that they've retold it and just kind of they get into his they talk about how he had imagined it, his imagination and everything. It's a fun, lighthearted movie uh, to watch for the holidays. If well, you haven't seen it. Well, I haven't. Uh, and I think that'll be a perfect choice for this year. So I'll have to check that out. And while we're doing Christmas carols, I'll I'll plug another book that I think is fantastic in this vein. <laughs> it wouldn't be a recommendation if I didn't give a shout out to a graphic novel of some variety. So uh, one that I've always enjoyed is a book called Batman Noel, uh, <laughs> which is it's is uh, basically the story of a Christmas Carol. Only Batman is the Scrooge character. It is a terrible Christmas night in Gotham, and Batman's very sick. Uh, and he is basically unrelenting pursuing a small-time crook who's just essentially trying to get to his son, the Tiny, Tiny Tim character. And uh, Batman is, well, just being mean and, or extreme, as Batman is due. And then Batman starts, you know, hallucinating the ghost of Christmas past, present, and yet to come and how it would affect his life. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm going to have to find this. Do we have it here in the library? I believe we do. It's also available for library patrons through Hoopla. So okay. make sure make sure you download it this uh, season. It is it is beautifully illustrated by one of my favorite illustrators, a gentleman by the name of Lee Bermijo. He's done like Luther and Joker the books. It's it's all painted and it's all just it's beautiful illustration and uh and it's it's a lot of fun so if you wanted to see a batman christmas carol that is one of my suggestions this year <laughs> it's been on my list a batman christmas carol of course <laughs> it it should be on everyone's uh, <laughs> i also wanted to uh have a book outside of christmas carol to recommend so i am a big mystery reader as well and i think my all-time favorite mystery author is agatha christie so I'm I'm sure all of our patrons know who she was, and her one of her most famous creations, of course, is Hercule Poirot, and Hercule Poirot's Christmas is a is a fun read. It is not in the same caliber, I would say, as some of Hercule's other uh, stories, like obviously Murder on the uh, Orient Express. Everyone is familiar with this one is uh, is lesser known, but that does not make it any any less interesting, any less suspenseful, any less you know just a great detective story and it's set at christmas uh perot has to solve a holiday mystery essentially <laughs> well i could just see him rolling his mustache and saying taxing something. his little gray cells yes his little gray cells that's what i forgot <laughs> his little gray cells. that's right I'm like you know you talked about his little something yes my book was also christmas carol was the book on my list um for the holiday reading if you're interested but there it's are... It's a literary, you know, like, it's a huge piece of literary canon. So, it is, yeah. it is, absolutely. But I'm also going to... There are quite a few authors at this time that put out cozy mysteries that are set in, during the holiday time period. And I, I've always found it a little comical that murders are happening in these little <laughs> towns and different things are happening around the holidays. But there's, there's a huge influx of these holiday... Um, cozy mysteries i i have noticed that <laughs> i i feel like there uh there is kind of i guess a oh, a formula to how you can do a successful cozy mystery and having it set at christmas for example that's usually uh that's usually a gold winner there you know? it is it seems to be and anyway um so my two movie recommendations well i guess i gave the one the, mm -hmm. the man who invented christmas my other one is elf 
It's um, Will Ferrell. Yeah. I just love watching <laughs> Elf. I don't know. It makes me so happy every time I watch it, especially every time he sees Santa and he's like, Santa, uh, and he yells it out. Uh, <laughs> it's just the funniest thing. He's also got uh, Bob Newhart, who is always a very funny character, and he plays off of Will Ferrell so well, being the, you know, with the deadpan little small yes. father. Yes, yeah. yes. He is so good. <laughs> uh, so if you... I can't imagine people not having seen it, but it's one of those that I just love to just watch over and over and over again. No, I definitely agree. Elf is a great choice. It is certainly one that everybody should probably hit up at the holidays. Yes. And then the other one that I tend to like watching is A Christmas Story. You know, I mean, we're children of the 80s, really. Uh-huh. And it was, sure. It's a classic movie of the 80s <laughs> that we, that I love to just watch. And, you know, I don't know, Ralphie and his... Uh-huh. Ralphie's mischief, and there's just the things that he gets up to. And... I have a fondness for it, yeah. The, um, bizarrely, I remember my elementary school almost every year playing it mm-hmm. uh, at some time or another in class. Uh, as I got older, though, I kept waiting for Darren McGavin, who plays the father, to start chasing monsters as he does in uh, Kolchak the Night Stalker, <laughs> which is was one of my favorite television programs. So the fact that a vampire doesn't pop up at some point mystifies you probably <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly i'm like well col colchak come on <laughs> but no he, it is such a it is such a great uh holiday film so when i was a kid uh you know how we would all sing christmas carols and stuff and then mm-hmm. there was Ru- you know rudolph the red-nosed reindeer yeah so there's a line in the christmas carol that's a fog one foggy christmas um santa needed help you know getting his gifts out and or one cup i think it was one foggy christmas eve or one i forget are you talking about rudolph yeah okay you said christmas carol yeah it's a christmas carol isn't it? oh i see what you're saying okay i was confused i thought you were talking about dickens again <laughs> no sorry <laughs> i don't remember rudolph being <laughs> <laughs> uh yes i believe the line is uh then one foggy christmas eve santa came to say rudolph with your nose so black nose so bright won't you save the day so as a little kid, I didn't understand. I misheard the word foggy, so I thought it was froggy. <laughs> <laughs> so for the longest time, I didn't. I was, what is a froggy Christmas? I like, did not. <laughs> for, for myself. And I would sing it, uh, froggy. With the R. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, for me, I think it was, most people, it was reindeer games. What is a reindeer game outside of a Ben Affleck film? Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm like, ah, oh, the Ben Affleck movie. Oh, I stole the joke from you. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was, I was always, what do reindeers play? <laughs> As a yeah. kid, I envisioned Monopoly or Clue, maybe Super Mario. Really? I'm picturing, like, hockey. Oh, yeah. Or curling. Oh, yeah, yeah. curling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I was thinking hockey because they got their antlers, so they're, like, mashing each other, and they're, like, trying to get the puck. And... Oh, yeah. So... I was just thinking cold weather. I guess you could do ring toss or something with the antlers. Oh, no. Yeah. Anyway... So, Kirkwood, let us know uh, what are some of your favorites. Or did you have anything else? I had one more I was going to... No, that's okay. Uh, So, uh, but one more I wanted to throw out there. This one isn't actually a holiday recommendation, but very recently I had the chance to see the film Jojo Rabbit in theaters, uh, and I would highly recommend it to to our listening audience. It was... uh, I expected it to be just a uh, rip-snorting good comedy, and it had such such depth uh so i mean it was still a comedy but it was very much a heartfelt drama as well and uh i I thought it was easily one of the better films i've seen this year so not a holiday film but i would still say go out and see it if you haven't had the chance with that in mind that is our holiday 
uh, selections. Yes, it is. So let us know what your selections are. What are classics that you like to watch during this time period? So leave a comment and uh, don't forget that our secret code word is discover for the podcast challenge. So before we go, I just want to say thank you, Kirkwood, for this past year. Jagish and I started this podcast in January, and this is uh, this is our twelfth episode. So we've we've done a show for each month in 2019, and we are so excited uh, to come back next month for 2020. Um, so we want to take a moment to thank all of our uh, audience out there. We we love it so much that we hear such great comments that you uh, you know download, subscribe, like everything that you've done. We want to keep hearing from you. We want to know you know what what we can be doing in the show that you're interested in. 2020, we hope to have much more additional content, and uh, we're going to try to get much. We're going to try to get many more authors in on the show to talking about their craft and books coming out, and so we're very excited to see what next year is going to be like. Yes, and I'm going to chime in and say yes. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. We will see you back here in 2020. So have a safe and happy New Year's.